0: Gary Renard Podcast, number seven. Welcome to the Gary Renard Podcast, your direct connection to Gary Renard, author of the best selling books, The Disappearance of the Universe, and Your Immortal Reality. I'm Gene Bogart, podcast producer and Gary's co-host, and this is our first podcast of 2007. And Gary's right on the line. There's no need to even throw it to you, Gary. You're already there. How you doing, buddy? Happy New Year! how you doing buddy okay whoa yeah. knowing how your your normal recording levels are you just blew the headphones off the meters on that one cool <laughs> you know i i couldn't find any noisemakers i wanted to have some of you ding 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 I'll, I'll dub some in later some <laughs> party noisemaker sounds
1: hey well, i'll tell you i, I was in uh, times square around christmas time Ah. and if it was that crowded at christmas I would hate to be there on New Year's Eve. Oh,
0: it must just be nuts! I've never actually done Times Square. I've been in New York on New Year's, but not right in the square there. It's just crazy.
1: Uh, it was absolutely uh, insane, and but it was fun because everybody is in a good mood and it's the Christmas spirit, and it was it was a really good time. Mm-hmm. But uh, I'll tell you, I can just imagine being there on uh, New Year's Eve. I just, you know, you wouldn't be able to move. Two feet
0: either way. One of the things I, you know, talk about mundane worries, but how do you go to the bathroom? And I say, I mean, boy, you're, you're just stuck there for hours. I guess they sell a lot of depends on that day. I think so, you know. <laughs> but literally, I mean, you have hundreds of thousands of people, and, then you know, there's just, where do you go? I don't know.
1: Yeah, and people are there all day. I don't know how they can do it. I don't, huh? I don't
0: see how. It's crazy, though. That, that's uh, that's something. It's a miracle,
1: that. Gene. It
0: is a miracle. It's a New Year's miracle. which is like a Festivus miracle, but that's a whole separate thing. Do you have a New Year's message, Gary? What do you think we should, this will be our first podcast of the new year, 2007, and uh, what do you think we should kick off the year with?
1: Well, I think that 2007 is going to be a great year, and uh, I know that for me 2006 was uh, amazing. It was the busiest year of my life. Uh, It was absolutely crazy, especially the four months after the second book came out. Uh, It was like my head was spinning, and I'd never experienced anything like that. Before I thought I was busy before that, but uh, there were a few months there, right? I just didn't know you know, if, if I could find the time to, uh, well, I shouldn't say it, but uh, find the time to do anything. Mm. <laughs> and
0: uh, Well, yeah, especially with your traveling, because you're all over the place.
1: Yeah, yeah, and, and don't get me wrong, it's fun. And it's fun to see all these different places and meet all these wonderful people. But I think that for 2007, even though I have a really heavy schedule, like if you go to my website and look at my appearance's schedule, it's like I'm really booked uh, solid for... 2007. But I think that it's going to be more relaxed. I I think that uh, the forgiveness work that I've done has led me to kind of like adapt a more relaxed attitude toward things. I think I'm not going to kind of like move as fast. and I'm going to take it easy and uh, try to be more of a low-key
0: guy than your usual hyper self.
1: Yeah, I'm. You know, I'm definitely not a hyper person. In fact, I'm kind of like a low energy person. And uh, the fact that I've gone as fast and, and as far as I have the last few years has been, uh, you know, mainly because of the Holy Spirit guiding me what to do and where to go. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't have any other explanation as to how I've been able to do it. And uh, this year, it's going to be more of the same, except I think my attitude is going to be even more laid back and more relaxed about it. And uh, it reminds me of what we were talking about when we left the last podcast. Uh, there was that quote by Jesus to Helen, uh, make this year different by making it all the same. Right. Well, that's what forgiveness is, because it's a parallel to that uh, first miracle principle, where it says there is no order of difficulty in miracles. One is not harder or bigger. They are all the same. Mm -hmm. And that's because, well, if everything is untrue, because by its very nature it's an illusion that's taking place within a dream, if everything is untrue, then whatever you're forgiving, I mean, it's all the same which is what Jesus meant by make it all the same, Mm -hmm. because ultimately you start to experience that there's no difference between this little thing that you're forgiving over here and this big, you know, seemingly big thing that it looks like you're forgiving over here. They're actually both equal because they're both untrue. Mm-hmm. And the more you experience that, the easier it gets to forgive anything.
0: You know, it's a lot like what you mentioned previously about uh, when we have a dream asleep at night here in our human form, a, a dream that we're having. And in when you wake from the dream, you realize that nothing was real and nothing mattered. So if you were having the dream about a simple rose petal, Or you're having a dream about owning a $50 million yacht. When you wake from the dream, you realize they were both the same. They were just illusions. So it didn't matter if one seemed bigger or more important in the dream. Once you awaken, you see they're all the same.
1: That's right. And when you wake up from a dream, where is the dream?
0: It it it, isn't.
1: It's gone. It it disappeared. That's why the book was called The Disappearance of the Universe. Because the universe of time and space is actually... A dream. And then, of course, the next trick that the ego uses is that uh, people will say, okay, well, if, I, if it's all a dream, then I would prefer to have a dream about having $20 million than have a dream about being poor and destitute and, you know, and all that. And that's a trap, too, because then uh, it's, it's making one dream better than another dream. Mm-hmm. And as soon as you do that, you're giving what the Course calls a hierarchy to illusions when there is no hierarchy mm-hmm. to illusions.
0: And I, the secret is to see that it's all illusion, as as we forgive it all, as we move beyond it all.
1: Yeah, well, that's a real secret, as, yeah. as opposed to what's passing for secrets. <laughs> nowadays.
0: Two two things, and this is interesting because we have a a bunch of questions here, uh, and one of them, I was just going to bring this one up because it was just what, uh, uh, we're going to do a number of them in this podcast, but uh, the first one I was going to bring up because it had to do with the content of what we were just saying, and this question also asks about the movie The Secret, and we just used that word, so it seems like a good time. Sure. So let's go into that. This is a question we had from uh, Tiffany, and uh, she asked if you've seen the movie The Secret. She said, I know you've seen What the Bleep. Uh, The Secret seems to directly conflict with what Arton and persa have said and what you've demonstrated about all of this being scripted the secret promotes that we can create anything we want since everything is matter Uh, so she says here's my conflict both things feel true to me since none of it is real why couldn't we create anything we want On the other hand, if it's all scripted anyway, nothing really matters to begin with. So she says, can you see my my conflict here? Both cannot be true unless it is scripted for me to experience this and for me to continue down what appears to be the path of creating what I want. Uh, She says, I can see no matter what path, it will all lead to forgiveness. So if none of this is real, why couldn't we create a better situation for ourselves? Please uh, shed some light on this for me.
1: Sure, the answer to that question is because you already did. You know, you did uh, make your choice, and that was in the very instant of separation from God. Uh, when we chose the ego, you had the universe of time and space, what we call the Big Bang. That happened, or it, more accurately, it appeared to happen because it's taking place within a dream. It didn't really happen. But events in a dream do appear to happen. And there's a paradox of time and space that's going on. And uh, the reason is is this. You have, at that instant of separation, the Big Bang, Everything that ever happened, ever will happen, happened in that instant. It all happened all at once. Even in the illusion, the truth is holographic. You know, And what I mean by that is that, as Einstein said, uh, past, present, and future all occur simultaneously. In other words, it all already happened, and as A Course in Miracles would add, it's all already over. So everything... That ever happened. Everything that's going to happen. Everything that's going to happen to you, whether or not you're going to be rich, whether or not you're going to be poor, whether or not uh, you're going to find your soulmate, you know, is if you know, if they were your soulmate, really, could you not find them? It's like, uh, you know, it, the things we worry about are, you know, things where we're coming from a condition of scarcity. But the truth is that whatever's going to happen is already determined. And I know that uh, some people don't like that idea because what the ego wants is to make what we made important when what we made is not important and actually meaningless and so now the ego wants to spiritualize it uh the things that are being taught today as spirituality are as old as the hills which the film the secret would uh admit uh actually there was a book in the 1930s that's still very popular called think and grow rich mm-hmm. by napoleon hill right which does a much better job uh of explaining those kinds of principles in uh, what so-called modern spirituality is teaching people. Uh-huh. Uh, if you really want to know how to you know, make something happen in the world, if that's your focus, I'd read Think and Grow Rich. Mm-hmm. But uh, the thing is that if you do that, all that you're doing is what you would have done anyway. That's the paradox. Because even though it already happened all at once, which means that by definition it's all predetermined, right. and whatever is going to happen is already determined, at the same time we act it out in a linear fashion. So it already happened, but in our experience, what we're doing is, as A Course in Miracles describes it, we're reviewing mentally that which has already gone by. Right. So it's already happened, and then it's like you're sitting in a movie theater. You know, you think that you're seeing with the body's eyes, when what you're really seeing with is the mind, and the mind is viewing these images, as A Course in Miracles calls them, but it also says the images you make cannot prevail against what God himself would have you be. And we're viewing these images thinking that we're making them happen now, thinking that we're making our life happen now and that everything in is being so, so-called created by us, when the truth is it's all already happened, it's already been determined. And if you, you know, read a book where uh, you're taught how to create you know a million dollars or something, uh, you're going to do it, and that's already determined. The only problem is that 90% of the people who try to do it, it's not going to work. And, or maybe more than that, maybe 95%. And then the small percentage who actually do end up getting what they want, you know, they end up writing books about it and making more money. But uh, it's like it doesn't work for most people. And the reason it doesn't work is because whatever's going to happen to you has already been determined. And if you really want to do something in terms of spirituality, then the irony is that if you start to work with the level of cause, which is the level of m- the mind at the decision-making level. I'm not talking about uh, the way that uh, you know what the bleep or uh, the secret is talking, which is really more about the level of form. Getting what you want has to do with an effect.
0: Right. That's kind uh, of a is, level of of human mind as opposed to the level of decision-making mind.
1: Right. The level of decision-making mind is a whole level above that, where now you're going up to where real power is, which is the, the level of cause. That's why a Course in Miracle says this is a course in cause. And not effect. Right. And the only true creative ability that the mind can engage in, according to a Course in Miracles, is the ability to induce the ego to give up its miscreations. Ah. And choose spirit instead of the ego. And when you do that, then you're doing something. Everything else is taking place at the level of the effect. Now, that doesn't mean that I'm saying that you can't have abundance in your life and that you can't have happiness and relationships and all those things. As, uh, as you've said, Gene, the course says it's not the purpose of this course you know, to take away the little that you think you have. Right. Uh, the point is that now we're going up to a level where there's real power, the level of cause, instead of uh, you know, messing around forever in the level of the effect, which is where people spend their entire lives. They mm-hmm. think that there's a world out there that has real problems, and so they think that the solution is out there. Uh, What was it the X-Files used to say? The truth is out there. The truth is out there. Yeah, except the truth is not out there. What's (laughs) out there is a smokescreen of illusion, and as long as you spend your time out there, you're doing what uh, the Course says the ego's motto is. The ego's motto is seek and do not find.
0: (laughs) Right. That's so true.
1: You're going to end up looking out there forever for an answer that isn't out there. uh,
0: The ego will let you do whatever you want to do with the one rule that it must not work.
1: Exactly. Or even if it does work, then that's going to change you know so you, you get a lot of money, then you lose it
0: right it won't work for for very long
1: right it'll it'll work for a while you find a good relationship it's great for a while, then it falls apart you know because that's what the ego does it's based on separation it's not based on unity it's not based on wholeness mm-hmm. if on the other hand you turn to spirit, then you can have your cake and eat it too because you've got a normal life going on there where you can have all the same things that everybody else has and end up you know, hopefully with uh, a good life like other, other people, and then, you know, there are a lot of other people who don't have such good lives. But, y- you know, you still have that, you know, because that's on the level of the effect. But now what you're doing is by going up to, to the level of cause, you're able to join with spirit, undo separation, and eventually achieve a kind of inner peace that is not dependent on what happens in the world. Right. If your peace is dependent on what happens in the world, you're screwed. Mm-hmm. You know, Cause, because cause it'll uh, always be
0: taken away from
1: you. Right, because anything can be taken away from you in this world, including your health. And, you know, once you don't have your health, it doesn't matter what, what much else you have. Mm-hmm. And uh, if that can be taken away from you, you know, then you're building your house on the sand, as, as Jesus used to put it. But mm-hmm. if you're going up to the level of the mind, joining with spirit, and building something that is permanent, which is spirit, that kind of peace is not dependent on anything that happens in the world. In fact, it's there for you regardless of what appears to happen in the world. And then you're building your house upon the rock, as uh, Jesus used to put it. And so uh, there's a big difference between building your house upon the rock or building your house upon the sand, which is what the secret is doing and what uh, you know most of these other spiritual systems are doing. And by building your house upon the rock, you're dealing with the cause. And the irony is that you may even have an effect uh, on the level of form, it's just that that's not the focus. The focus now is on the level of cause instead of the level of form. The focus now is on the rock instead of the sand. The focus now is on awakening from the dream, waking up from the dream, instead of fooling around in the dream. You know, trying to move around the furniture in a burning house. You know, it, it's a real significant difference that I think Art and Persa really hammer home in your Immortal Reality, the second book. They they. Really went to great lengths to teach me the difference between what they called real spirituality and what is passing for spirituality nowadays. And I don't say that to put anybody down. I'm very good friends with, uh, you know, the people in the movie uh, *The Secret*. Uh, you know, I love the Hicks. Uh, you know, Esther and Jerry, mm-hmm. wonderful people. I love their sense of humor. I had a long talk with them uh, at the end of uh, October at the Hay House conference. We had dinner together. A lot of laughs. We have a great time. Uh, I love the What the Bleep people. You know, Will Arnst uh, just wrote a great review. He's the director of What the Bleep. He just wrote a great review of of Your Immortal Reality. Right, I read that. Yeah,
0: very very favorable.
1: Yeah, and it's like, uh, you know, we all get along with each other, and it's all great. But it's kind of like, you know, you get people together, like, you know, you get a a Buddhist together and a Catholic priest together and a minister together, and all three of them are together on the Larry King show or something. (laughs) They're not teaching the same thing. That doesn't mean that they don't get along with each other. Mm -hmm. You know, they're still uh, friends and they still get along with each other. But at the same time, there's nothing wrong with pointing out the difference between what your spiritual system is teaching and what its focus is compared to what other spiritual systems are teaching and what their focus is.
0: I want to remind everybody, too, that if you want further information about Gary to get the whole background story and uh, also be brought up to date on what is happening in his appearances and all the other things that are going on, be sure to check out Gary's website, www.garyrenard.com. And uh, we have it on good authority that Gary actually came up with that name himself. I'm not entirely sure about that. But, uh, well, I hired a
1: consultant.
0: Oh, okay, good. I want to make sure it had been done officially. And also, for, uh, we're, we're doing a lot of questions here on our first uh, podcast of 2007, questions that were sent to Gary by podcast listeners and readers of his two fascinating books, The Disappearance of the Universe and Your Immortal Reality, both bestsellers. Uh, we would like to remind you, if you have a question for Gary, email it to me. That's gene at genebogart.com. And we'll see if we can get to it on the upcoming episodes. Let's do a couple more, Gary. We have some time here. And this one comes to you from uh, Dr. Ronald. I usually just go with first names here, but we'll we'll go with the doctor. He's from the All Saints Church. And Ronald says, Arten and Persa appear and speak as individual personalities. Back in the oneness of God and outside of the dream, do we maintain our individual personalities minus the ego? And that's from Dr. Ronald.
1: Yeah, that's a good question. And, and the answer is no. Uh, once you return to God, you don't maintain uh, any individual personality, or any individual existence whatsoever. And, and in fact, that's an idea that's very threatening to the ego, and uh, which is why we have such tremendous unconscious resistance to a lot of the ideas that are presented in a, in a great spiritual discipline like A Course in Miracles, because it's, it's about not being an individual. Uh, on this level of individuality, we appear to have individual thoughts. Uh, the truth is, when you return to God, you don't think. You don't have to think. In fact, the opposite happens. You are a thought in the mind of God, as A Course in Miracles teaches. Mm -hmm. So instead of being the one doing the thinking, you are actually thought. And it's really very interesting. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's a totally different experience. And it's the opposite of the world because uh, there are no opposites and because there is uh, nothing bad going on. Now, within the dream of time and space, it's necessary for the Holy Spirit to speak to us in ways that we can accept and understand. For example, uh, in America, the Holy Spirit speaks to most of us in English. Mm -hmm. Uh, I taught in Costa Rica last year, and they don't hear the Holy Spirit in English. You know, they hear the Holy Spirit in Spanish, and the Holy Spirit has to speak to people in a way that they can accept and understand. Oh,
0: that would make sense.
1: So that's why Art and Persa appeared the way that they did. They appeared to me as people because they wanted the conversations that we would have to be human so that they could speak to people in a way that everyone can accept and understand. Mm -hmm. Now, for some people, uh, it works very well. There may be somebody who reads The Disappearance of the Universe and, you know, uh, throws it in the river because, (laughs) you know, they can't stand it, and so that's not for them. It's because the Holy Spirit is speaking to them in a different way. You know, the Holy Spirit, for some people, can show up as an angel or the Virgin Mary or, you know, many different ways. Whatever is best for that person, that's the way that the Holy Spirit is going to show up for them. And in my case, and in the case of some people, Arden and Persis showed up the way that they did because they were able to speak in a very blunt language, not the usual spiritual language
0: yeah, not that at all. you get
1: in uh, some books. And they put things to me in such a way that was so clear and so blunt that I could get it and that I couldn't get away from it. And I really got the message, and they kept doing it in both books. And it seems that for a lot of people that's worked because it's helped them get the messages so clearly that they could even go back and read A Course in Miracles uh, for themselves, which is not an easy thing to understand. Mm-hmm. And it turned out that they, they could even read it for themselves and get it and, uh, you know, take the ball and run with it, so to speak. Right. So uh, I think that that's a really good example of the Holy Spirit speaking to people in a way that they can accept and understand. And uh, it happens many different ways for many different people, and certainly this isn't the only way, but for me it was the right way.
0: I think you uh, took care of Dr. Ronald's question out there at All Saints Church very nicely. Let's move on to a second one here. This one comes in from Marika. She says, Hi, Gene and Gary. I, first of all, want to thank you, Gary, for bringing your conversations with Artin and Persa to the world. Uh, the books have definitely guided me to rethink a lot of what I previously learned about spirituality. My question is, how would you teach children about this new way of advanced forgiving? And that's warmly, Marika.
1: Well, that's a great question. You know, uh, you don't really have to teach children the details. The best way to teach children is by example. You know, uh, someday, you know, because I remember what my parents were like, and, yeah, you know, sure, I remember some of the things they said to me, but what I remember the most is what they were like, the way that they were, what kind of people they were, you know, how loving they were, how gentle they were, you know, how kind they were to others, how kind they were to me. And I think that ultimately, that's what you remember the most about somebody—the way that they were, not not the details uh, or the or the words, but you know their way of being in the world. So, if you really want to teach children, the place to start is leading them by example. You know, if you want to teach them about forgiveness, be forgiving. You want to teach them about love, be loving. Mm-hmm. You want you want to teach them how to be in the world. Well, do it as an example. And then, as you go along you can determine how spiritually mature they are if, if you think they're going to be able to understand certain ideas. But you don't have to be teaching them that the world is an illusion, you know, when they're teenagers. You know, what you should really be doing for them uh, is, first of all, making sure that they learn how to survive in the world. You know, and, uh, yeah, the world is an illusion, but they're still going to have to pay their bills and they're still going to have to, you know, uh, do things and you know, at least appear to do things. And it's not going to make their life any easier you know, to not know how to function and not know how to get by. Mm -hmm. In the world, that doesn't inspire peace either. You know, being heavily in debt, uh, you know, being unemployed does not inspire peace in people. Uh, And if you want to be able to achieve the kind of forgiveness where you can be at peace in that kind of a situation, then it usually takes people time to learn. You can determine for yourself uh, if they should be introduced to certain ideas as uh, they go along. And it doesn't have to be in the form of A Course in Miracles, at that early an age. For example, uh, there's a great book, one of my favorite books of all time, is called Hope for the Flowers. And it was written by a woman named Trina Paulus. And it illustrates the idea of choosing love instead of the world, very clearly. Mm. And it does it in such a way that anybody could understand, no matter how old they are or how young they are. A 10-year-old could read it and get it, Uh, a 60-year-old could read it and appreciate it just as much because it's universal and it's one of those books that's just as good for adults as it is for children. So once again, it's called Hope for the Flowers, and it's a great way of illustrating that fundamental choice that we're making of choosing love instead of fear, of choosing spirit instead of the world, of being uh, at peace with whatever appears to be happening instead of having to try to uh, attain that happiness by getting things and and climbing upward and onward uh, in the world, so to speak. So uh, there are many different ways to get that message to children and to teenagers. And I really think that A Course in Miracles, if you're going to give it to your children, I would give it to them uh, as a graduation present from college. Mm -hmm. From college? Yeah, the day that they graduate from college, Mm -hmm. I would give them a copy of A Course in Miracles. And I see a lot of people in their 20s now uh, reading The Disappearance of the Universe, coming to my workshops. That's a relatively new phenomenon. They're Mm. they're picking up the book at Barnes & Noble in Borders, and uh, in some cases, it's their introduction to A Course in Miracles. In some cases, it's even their introduction to spirituality. And uh, I'm thinking, wow, you know, that's quite an introduction to uh, spirituality. It's like saying on page nine that God didn't create the world and things like that. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's pretty amazing to have, you know, such young people into this stuff. But I'm seeing them, and they're really very smart, and uh, they're open to new ideas. And, and maybe they learn it quicker than us because they had these great movies like The Matrix, where they really understand the holographic nature of the universe and everything. And, it's and probably opened like,
0: up a lot more in the co- in the common consciousness, if you will, than uh, than was there previously. So younger people are going to be more uh, accessible to that nowadays.
1: Yeah, I think that's really true, and uh, and I'm very excited about it, to to see that happening in front of my eyes because it's uh, you know it's it's wonderful both. Uh, both in terms of seeing more men, you know, it used to be mostly women. Now you see just as many men as women at a lot. Right, all those shots.
0: aggravating guys that you like so much.
1: Yeah, but I mean, the women like it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's kind of they used to be there by themselves. Now you get, uh, you know, a nice mixed uh, audience, it, and it's more fun. You know, socially afterwards, I'm sure.
0: Oh yeah, oh, I think uh, a lot of guys realize that now that spirituality is for real men.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah,
0: I think you and I should do that. We should collaborate on a on a book or audio series about, you know, the course for real men, the real man's guide to spirituality.
1: Yeah, that's a good one.
0: Crack open a beer and go to heaven. Not because of that, but just along the way.
1: Well, you know, we could... Uh, or we, just
0: strong coffee.
1: Well, no, we could stay up all night drinking, and we'd have a book in one night of it. There, yeah, I don't know if we'd have any readers, but...
0: <laughs> sure, <laughs> it yeah. Be I, I think
1: it's a, a great title.
0: Uh, it's interesting the point you were just making about kids, though, real quickly. Something we said earlier... Um, about how the Course tells us that it's not the teaching, the theology, the words, it's none of that. It's the experience that actually shows you where the truth is and where you're going. And that's kind of how you described it with teaching children. Don't so much give them the lessons, but let them experience your example of being that. And that's what will reach them at an early level, but, you know, until they're ready to actually do the reading themselves.
1: I think that's a great point, Gene. And uh, you, what uh, what you're also doing is you're offering them a choice, because... Uh you know, by being an example, you know, they're going to see in the rest of the world, they look on the news, they, they look out in, in the job world and things like that, they're not going to see a lot of love all the time. And uh, what you're doing is you're offering them an alternative, you know, by being love, which is what you really are, and which is what I say. I teach only love because that is what I are. And it's <laughs> like uh,
0: Is that how and, you say it?
1: Yeah, by doing that, it's like you're giving them an alternative. You know, you're giving them uh, a... A better way, uh, so to speak, and uh, that's important because if you don't do it, who will? Right. You know, who is it is going to be in their lives that's going to show them, you know, that there really is a better way of living in this world.
0: Well, I think we have time for one more question from one of our audience members who submitted one for Gary here in this podcast. Uh, and this one comes from Mary Rose. Oh, I just have the feeling she's an Irish lass. Mary Rose from, from Fairfax herself. Probably not, but forgive me, Mary Rose. Anyway, hi Eugene. Love the podcast. It's terrific. I love hearing that. That's great. As the producer, I'm particularly proud of that. Okay, here's my question for Gary. When Persa was explaining the differences between the Casey Urtext and Wapnik editions of, when you referred to that in uh, your immortal reality, was Persa just spouting off the figures? Did she have a calculator in her palm? No, really, Gary, it's hard to picture her lounging on your couch saying, Helen omitted 3%, not 25 retaining 669 pages or 97%, therefore 1.7%. <coughs> Same as quoting from *The Tempest*. Did she recite it by heart, or does she pack a pocket version of Shakespeare's works in her professor robes? (laughs) Do tell. That's
1: from Mary Rose. Hey, Mary Rose. Well, person knows everything. Of course, the unconscious mind retains all information, Uh, and I think that you have some presuppositions. For example, uh, the *Course in Miracles* that we have today is not the what you call the Wapnick edition. Uh, there was really only one editor of the Course in Miracles, as Purser explains there, uh, in Your Immortal Reality, and that was Helen Shuckman, from beginning to end. Uh, she was the editor of the course. She's the one that uh, always retyped it. You know, she's the one that was re- responsible for uh, all the final decisions. Uh, Bill Thetford was consulted, uh, even though some people would like you to think that he wasn't. Uh, Ken Wapnick simply acted as Helen's assistant and had only been on the scene for two years at the time that that editing was done. So, you know, to call it the Wapnick edition of of, uh, the course is just silly. And uh, it's definitely the Helen Shuckman edition of the course. And the Urtext is simply the parts of the course that Helen did not want to be included in the course. Uh, It's a very clear part of uh, course history that there were parts of the course that Helen and Bill felt uh, either would only be properly understood by therapists and not amateurs, and there were certainly personal references uh, that uh, were taken out of, especially the first five chapters uh, of the course. You notice that almost all those changes that people keep uh, talking about, they're all in the first five chapters.
0: Yeah, beyond that point and through the entire uh, workbook and manual, the, there's no changes at all.
1: That's, that's very true. No, the, no differences. There are minor changes, but very minor changes. Uh, there was a scholar named Richard Smalley who did an analysis in comparing uh, the so-called Urtext and the and casey version, Uh, and the final uh, version of the course, he compared all three of them, and he said that people were making a big deal out of what are actually very minor differences. And uh, I think that's because people love controversy, and they want to harp on anything on the level of form Mm -hmm. that will keep them away from the level of cause, which is the mind. So they're going to look at the trees instead of the forest. And what A Course in Miracles is obviously looking at is the level of cause, where you change your mind about the world instead of uh, staying stuck in the world by making comparisons and saying, "Well, you know, it should be this instead of that," when when they're all saying the same thing anyway.
0: Well, Gary, we've certainly had a wonderful time giving us, I think it's sort of a New Year's gift to a lot of our uh, audience members by doing a lot of these questions, but actually we'll be doing uh, questions from our listeners in pretty much every podcast episode from here on out. So keep sending them in and uh, you can go back to the earlier part of this show to find out exactly where to do that. So I thought at this point, it might be nice to have you kind of wrap things up. This is our first podcast for 2007. So Gary, what would you say would be the appropriate New Year's message for our listeners?
1: Well, I think that this year what I want to focus on even more is getting to the point where the world cannot have any effect on me. Uh, of Course in Miracles is talking about, you know, that part of uh, peace mm-hmm. that is there for you, and the way it describes it is that it denies the ability of anything not of God to affect you, and uh, I think that's going to be a focus of, of myself this year. And uh, I invite anybody to come along with me and, and work on that, because I, I really believe that we can be free of all of our fears, that we can do anything we want in this world. Uh, as you may know, I used to be terrified of the idea of getting up and speaking in front of people. Right, and that's I remember not the case that. Yeah, I mean, yeah. now you, I, you've
0: time, changed quite a bit, my friend.
1: I sure have. Most of the time, it's it's uh, possible for me to get up and speak in front of any any group of people and have no fear whatsoever and I really think that uh, all of us can be that way in every area of our lives and have you know habits that the world cannot really have an effect on us. If the world is being done to you and if you're uh, at the effect of it, it will affect you but if you can be a cause and get that the world is being done by you then you can get to the point where it has no effect on you and Mm -hmm. I really want to work on that this year and I really think that we can do it.
0: I'm going to accept your invitation because I want that as well. Isn't that a wonderful goal to become where nothing that happens in this world can possibly have any effect on you because you have a certainty of who you are and and how you've been created. Absolutely. I am still as God created me. And I love that because it's it's in every, every moment that never changes.
1: I'm right with you, buddy.
0: Well, Happy New Year, pal. Happy New Year, Gene. Okay, bro. uh, We'll be seeing everybody in our next podcast as the series continues through 2007. We'll have more questions from our listeners and podcast subscribers as well. So, Gary, Happy New Year, my friend, and uh, safe travels, and I will talk to you soon. Great, buddy. We'll see you. The Gary Renard Podcast is produced by Enlighten Up Creations and presented by Forgiveness.tv verbal content of this program is copyright 2007 gary renard and gene bogart for further information on gary's best-selling books the disappearance of the universe and your immortal reality please go to his website www.garyrenard.com this is gene bogart saying thanks for listening and remember that no matter what the question forgiveness is always the answer We hope you'll join us again next time here on the Gary Renard Podcast.